No. I think that's going to be too loud. No, I think that's great. Uh, we were going to look for an appropriate athletic number 38, but I don't know any besides, I think, Kurt Schilling, and he sucks. So. <laughs> what team is he on? Bunch Boston Red Sox. Well, I always associate him with the Philadelphia Phillies because that's where he was most hated when I was a child. Oh, there you go. Um, well, today we're joined uh, by our good friend and professional acquaintance, Lindsey <laughs> Green, who is the Vice President of Corporate Communications for Bustle, which yes. is... A, it's website. a website for women. It's the largest digital media property targeted at millennial women. Bustle.com. Check it out. That is MV-inducing for many. Yeah. I also Professional acquaintance makes it sound like I pay you guys to let me hang out with you. <laughs> really? I just write you a check every month for your friendship. <laughs> Does that happen? Uh, Isn't that called being in a sorority? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm... I'm well, I'm not reading Mindy Kaling's book, but I'm listening to it on audio tape while I go running. And her chapter about being in a sorority is really funny and is uh. quite similar to my experience, except for that the way she quit her sorority was that she got fined a hundred dollars for not showing up to some event and had to clean up the next morning for the event and pay a hundred dollars. She what? was like, I'm out. That this is similar because I pledged and then didn't go to one of the events and it was a lot of pressure and I just decided I didn't didn't want to do it. Yeah, my sorority was extremely casual, so I kind of just got out. I just slowly moved away from You ghosted it. your sorority. Yeah, but it's interesting when you look back on that. You know, we both uh, Where I went to school, there was not... Um, Greek life was very small. I just want to say for the record that Lauren's school waitlisted me in high school, and I've really never quite got over it. Yeah, yeah. It's fine. I definitely would Meanwhile, not get in there now. It's amazing that we're friends now. I was already trolling people at age 18, and we started a fake fraternity <laughs> based on the 24-hour Burger King that was across the street from our school. And you know how every fraternity has these stupid parody t-shirts of like other brands? We made out, ours were, were Beta Kappa for BK, and we had a fake fraternity softball team called the BK Broilers. <laughs> you win. And now we've totally gone off topic you for win. the show. Yeah. yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> this um, is my fault. Lindsay is also a famous sports writer, and yes. prior to next year's Olympics, we'll have her on to talk about uh, gymnastics uniform design. Oh, guys, I'm excited. We are, we are like. Just under 320 days to go to the Olympic Games. It's pretty exciting. Do you count that every day? Do you have like a countdown? I count it every few days. I do have a countdown yeah. on my Twitter. You'll see I, every few oh, days cool. I'll hashtag so how many days it is till Rio. Um, and I get pretty excited about it. So Are you going to figure out a way to go? Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to go for... You'll be the uh, bustle course. A little one for bustle.com, yeah. yeah. Hopefully I'll find a way to go. I, I covered London uh, in 2012 and I covered from... New York, but it was a. It was like I felt like I was going crazy because the time difference was so bad. Rio's only yeah. an hour behind, so I could I could cover it from there. I could cover it from here, but oh, being there good. is better. Yeah, you need to go. I need to go. I need to see the leotard designs up close. So I'm going to talk to you guys about it and give you the full recap of who designs the leotards for the U.S. team. So yeah. Under Armour is currently the sponsor. Oh, it was Adidas for a long time, and then GK Elite also does a lot of their. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of our senior gymnasts, uh, but the national team uniforms are now Under Armour, which is kind of a cool, that's really kind of a cool brand, yeah, to be associated with, yeah, yeah, they're on the up, yeah, they are. 
That's that's. Does it affect performance? <laughs> it makes them better. Well, it's also interesting because they really are trying to expand their women's business. They have a yeah. strong men's business and have been building the women. So it's interesting that they. Yeah, and the gymnasts. first gymnast they did was Alicia Sacramoni, mm-hmm. and they started sponsoring her. I think in 2011. Interesting. And so that was a big deal, and then they expanded to the to the whole U.S. team. We could go on forever. About we could. That. We could really just talk leotard design for a long Going, time. We were before we started taping. We were talking about the '96 Olympics, which were the ones that I watched. The, the most. best, the best Olympic games. Yeah, those um, were great. I still follow on Twitter uh, Dominique Mochiano. So do I. Who, who oh, talks yeah. a lot about parenting? I think. Yes, she has two young children. Wrote a That's book last year called Off Balance. What's Shannon Miller up to? Ugh, Shannon Miller, my favorite. What is she not up to? She's running the world. She does. She she does a business focus on women's health and awareness. You know, she was a she's a cancer survivor, um, and so she oh, does. Shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, so That's she tough. had a business even before well, I mean, this that where she helps um, empower women, women's health, advocate advocate for your own health, things like that. Really That's good, great. really cool. good stuff. That's great. I like what your about Li Shao Shuang? What's he Thank up you. to? Famous Chinese I, I believe he is married to another famous Chinese gymnast. Cool. If I'm correct. <laughs> um, it might even be Lu Xuan, who I got confused with, yeah. Yeah, with earlier. Knows? Anyway, we'll, we'll catch up on gymnastics in like episode right. 45. Yeah, that sounds, sounds great. great. Um, yeah, because that'll be about 16 months from now. We'll <laughs> 40, number 45. You know what I'm really curious about? What's that? Ad blockers. Whoa. Holy moly. Like the internet is just Twitter. All anyone's talking about are ad blockers. And I can attest to this because I just came from the DigiDay Publishing Summit in Miami, and this was a huge topic for everybody on stage. It came up so many times. Yeah. So and you're a publishing is, executive. I'm a publishing executive, so as can, some would say. Can you guys I, – I get what it is, but I – can you – can we – I'll give you a quick yeah, summary. So ad blockers – are plugins you can install in your browser that let that basically bl- block. Well, you can set them to do several different things. Some people just set them to block tracking cookies so that mm-hmm. you're not being followed around the internet. But other people also turn off all the ads, partially because some people are like, "Ooh, fuck ads." Okay. But other people, um, especially on mobile, ads use up a lot of bandwidth. Especially now, there's yeah. like autoplay video and all this stuff. And if you're paying for mobile. Um, data by the gigabyte, ads can use up quite a big chunk of that. And they slow down loading the web page. And something like three out of five paid apps right now in the App Store are ad blockers. Oh, well, yeah. I don't know if that's so, the actual well, stat, so but that seems to be what people are um, so saying. Ad blocking on the iPhone was impossible until last week, which is when iOS 9 came out. And one of the things that Apple did was let it, Apple made APIs in iOS 9 so that you could sell an app that's an ad blocker, yeah. um, which was impossible before, and now you can do it. And uh, so on the first day, like, the numbers 1, 3, like, 9, and 12 or something in the App Store, a link to my Quartz story about this, were ad blockers. Um, Ensue panic in the industry, yeah. yeah. And people are, Marco Arment did Including Marco, Peace. yeah, Marco Arment, famous from um, co-creating Tumblr. And also Instapaper. Ah, uh, Instapaper. Made an app called Peace, which is an ad blocker. And he, he worked with this this uh, organization called Ghostery, and they make one of the better um, desktop ad blockers. So his was great. It was the number one paid app in the U.S. He sold 12,000 copies in the first several hours. Mm. Um, but ad blocking is very controversial because when you block the ads, you prevent 
publishers from making money. And a lot of publishers, especially the ones that are smaller and less tech savvy, don't really have any recourse. Like those ads are what they have. So, um, so people started freaking out and a lot of people were giving Marcos shit for it. So two days later, he pulled it from the app store and is no longer selling it. He said, I've had enough. I, I don't want to be the guy who's the, you know, the, mo- the ad blocking mogul. So he's also, yeah. he also has a lot of money anyway. It's not like he needs to make money off of this, right? Sure. I think there's a uh, lot of different schools of thoughts around that's not this. Really the point. You know, I think in some ways, ad blocking was obviously inevitable because it's it's a frustration for readers. It's a, it can at certain times it can be a frustration for publishers as well who want to do more creative types of ads with their with their clients. Uh, but it seems to be like when I was listening to everyone on stage at the publishing summit and just from our our feeling in the in the office is that publishers who have resources like Bustle like you know, other large box and, and Quartz, BuzzFeed. Quartz. QZ.com. That this is the kind of thing that's going to uh, sort of force people to think even more creatively, create things that are really special, and to um, to really put that emphasis on branded content. Um, and I think that that's, that's a good thing in some ways for the industry. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, a lot of people's livelihoods and a lot of other companies, a lot of other digital media properties really rely on these ads. I think there's two different ways of looking at it. It's, it's a complicated issue and um, something obviously like relatively new. The last week, you hadn't really heard about this. And now suddenly, everyone has a take on it. Everyone's really interested in yeah. it. Yeah. So Sunday afternoon update, the number one and number three paid apps are ad blockers. Okay. So I have a couple questions about this. Yeah. The, the first question I have is in terms of seeing which how many ads are served like that's dubious anyway right the media buyers or planners who are buying the ads and they're and they're looking from there and seeing what how many ads are being served it's difficult to track that correctly right um served is pretty good seen like which ads are actually looked at is harder and so there's this whole uh, push right now around so-called viewability, mm-hmm. but but our other mutual friend, I think it was Rick Webb, wrote this post. He's like, "That's all bullshit. It doesn't matter. The price of ads is is has already been adjusted to account for the fact that a lot of them aren't seen. Ads are actually very cheap right now. So um, so whatever. But, but this is yeah, gone. Well, if they're blocked, that's a whole other problem altogether. Yeah, but also, I mean, to think about this, we have to ask the question. Why does TV and magazines still get the big ad dollars and digital doesn't? It's because we don't have the same kind of creative and digital right now. Right, totally. And like TV, you you have people fast forwarding through commercials on DVR for like probably over half of TV watching now, mm-hmm. but it's still TV. And you can have like look at the reach that um, uh, FanDuel and the other one. What's the other fantasy football? DraftKings. DraftKings. Both of them have been advertising like like maniacs yeah. on NFL Sunday and like uh, I think also during college football. On oh, there's a ton during college football. And those ads. everyone is talking about it now. Everyone's talking shit about it. They're like, why are why are we being inundated by these two companies? But the fact that that's happening at all speaks to the huge reach that TV advertising still has. Yeah, um, and I think this is the opportunity that digital media, if we're going to become the primary place for ad dollars. There has to be more options. I don't think ad blocking is like the thing that's going to repel us forward, but I do think it's an interesting conversation starter of saying we still don't command the same amount of 
ad dollars as yeah. TV and, and even, you know, like a Vogue September issue. Yeah. And you know what? Like, well, first of all, I've never installed an ad blocker. I would say 85% because I'm uh, sort of lazy, which, by the way, everyone is sort of lazy. I have not because I had never did not know what it was until last yeah. week. <laughs> well, I, I think it's like less than 10% of ads in the U.S. are blocked. But in a place like Sweden or like Germany, it's like 30% or something like that. Wow. Um, because people are more uh, interested in privacy there. But it's kind of understandable. Like if you try using the web on your phone, there's so many pop-ups. There's so many ads that get shoved at you. Sometimes there's like four pop-ups in a row. It's yeah. kind of understandable. And that's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, not to talk my book, but that's one of the reasons I love working at Quartz because we don't do that. We do, we've never had a standard banner ad on the site ever. We only do these big, beautiful custom ads and we only do custom content through our native ad unit. We work really hard with our native and I, the majority of our, of our, um, advertising is native content. Yeah. We want to, we really want to do more with that. And I think there's some clients that are still served really well by your standard banner ad and that's fine. You know, we can do that, but I really, you know, bustle as well. Native is, is, is massive for us and we want to keep that momentum going. We're really proud of that content. Yeah. They, they actually can be blocked, but it's a little, I think there are also ways to not, I mean, right now they can be blocked because if you run them on like an ad server, like double click, then that, that's easily blockable. But there are also ways to make them so that they're harder to block. I think my final question on this is how many people are going to put in the effort to like how many people you said that 12,000 people bought Marco's app. That's not that many people. Well, it was 12,000 in like the first several hours, but even still, like, even if it's a million, right, exactly. And that's the question. Like most people don't even use that many apps. Um, I actually, uh, actually, mind. this this is not uh, a public report yet, so I can't cite it, but a lot of people don't like people are kind of lazy, which, with which apps they use. Here's the other problem. So much browsing is done in the Facebook and Twitter in-app browsers Mm -hmm. And neither of those work with ad blockers yet. So, Mm. whatever. Well, the other thing that I think is interesting with the cookie stuff is I actually like that Google AdWords follows me around the internet. Oh, I I, I like it. I have a love-hate relationship. There's moments where I'm like, oh, my God, you know me so well. There's moments where I'm like, this is terrifying. I don't want you to know this about me. I'm always like, oh, good. I I wanted to buy those shoes. It reminded me to do that. Yeah. Oh, it does make me spend more money. It's called retargeting. Yeah, that's my favorite. Well, retargeting is very effective, it's, I think, for super, people. Well, it, that which speaks to the ineffectiveness of most ads because it's like if the if the most pop if the most effective ad on the internet is to show you something you've already seen, that's a well. I guess actually that makes sense. I think but, it makes sense because yeah. great. I really enjoy it. I find it entertaining. I think you're the first person to claim that. I really like it. I don't know. It's like, oh, yeah. You're going to be a paid spokesmodel for a retargeting firm. (laughs) Next next career. But I'm like, oh, yeah. I I wanted to buy those shoes. I forgot about those shoes. Oh, I was looking at those jeans. I wonder if they're still still available. That I personally, I also find it comforting to see things that I'm aware of and familiar with for some reason. Hmm. Whereas if it's toothpaste or a car a car there's one website that i have um contributed to frequently that just has the worst non-linear ads and it really bothers me yeah i'm always like i don't this is annoying i don't want to see a thing about 
detergent or whatever. I have come to the conclusion that privacy is an illusion these days, and that's yeah. totally fine because we're going to evolve into having a completely different behavioral like uh, characteristics just because there is no more privacy and yeah. that doesn't exist. But I still don't – I still get a little bit wary of knowing that Facebook is following me around and that Google's following me around and – um, I think it's just it's just a comfort level, and I think there's moments where I get very excited because I was like, oh, yeah, I did. I, exactly. I did need to buy this, you know, yeah. goose down comforter or something yeah. ridiculous. But um, there's also times where I – it's amazing to me that the technology is there and it's gone that far. And like you said, in Europe, I think they're much more um, in tune with privacy, mm-hmm. and that hasn't quite hit here. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I think maybe also it's a mentality yeah. thing. Um, and we'll just have to see what people are comfortable with, particularly with ad blocking becoming more popular. I have one more question that's kind of connected to privacy, not really ad blocking. I have gotten a lot of Facebook friend requests lately. Is there a reason for this? Are you just so popular? You're so popular. I'm not not active on Facebook. I rarely – I go on there probably – to accept friend requests. Okay, so then I can I can stop feeling offended that you never like my uh, posts. No, okay, I great. never go Fantastic. on. I was worried. I was all people she doesn't like mine either. who work in fashion. <laughs> it's all industry I, people, and that makes me uncomfortable because Facebook to me is where your like weirdo friends from high school that post eight things about their you know terrible children and their political beliefs. Yeah. And you're like, and whoa, we went to school together. Videos. Yes, and suddenly all these industry people are requesting my friendship and I just feel like I don't want those paths to cross. I've always had the same problem and I used to, it used to be for me that I wouldn't even accept friend requests from employees that I worked Mm. with. Um, And now that's coming out the window because I work with, um, you know, a lot of people in their, their twenties and this is, this is the same thing as like a LinkedIn to them, right? It's, it's, they feel about it very similarly. Whereas I literally was on Facebook when you can only have your, your your college email address because I'm a dinosaur, but that it's, they see it differently. And so I think if you're getting requests from people in the industry, they're probably people who are a little bit younger and they see it very differently. And I've always had them back and forth though. And I, I don't have a fair answer. I just wish there was a way where you could make, those people not be able to see what the other people oh, are yeah. posting. That's easy to do. Mm-hmm. You just set up a public and private um, you set up a public thing so you can be followed uh-huh. by people and then if you decline their friend request they'll still be able to follow your public post. This is where I want to plug the greatest feature of any app of any time in the history of mankind. Dodgeball, which was, you know, the predecessor to Foursquare. Yeah had this amazing feature and it was called like the ex-girlfriend, ex-boyfriend feature where you could accept someone's friend request and they would see you accepted it, but it would never show them your information or your check-in. So they would just think you were totally silent on on the platform. And I just want to like, there's days where I'm like, Dennis, you should just make that and sell it again because that was the greatest feature. And that's what I want in a Facebook or uh, even like an Instagram. I want to accept your follow and I want you to think that like, yeah, it's all good. But really you never have, you never see what I'm putting up. I kind of, the the way you can block people on Twitter, but they don't know it. Yeah. It's a little, it's kind of reverse. I mute people. I really like that because there are people that you don't want them to know that you unfollow them. And I'll use the unfollow feature on Facebook. If there's someone, because, you know, I grew up in the South and there's people that just have different views than I do. And sometimes I don't want to get like pulled into all of it. And so I just sort of like unfollow, take a break. Yeah. You know, it's it's people who post all the time. Yeah. Um, All right, Lauren, we're going to talk quickly about Los Angeles. Okay. Because you wanted to. 
So you should well, start talking. Can we talk about the fact, can we just give a shout out to our reader from Cookbook in Los Angeles? Oh, reader, our listener? Our listener? Yeah. Who said, I hope she listens to this. Probably not, because that was we almost done a, a month and, and, and a yeah. half ago. But um, shout out to our reader at Cookbook who came up and said hi to us, our user. That was cool. Listener. We were really excited. So I, So there have been all these stories about L.A. and the fashion industry's obsession with L.A. and media in general. I mean, we all know tons of people who have moved there in the last couple of years. Really good friends of ours who have moved there. Everybody I think I've had there. almost 10 friends move to L.A. in the last couple of years. It's, and, and, it, and it's been interesting. I just did a big piece for the Business of Fashion's next print issue about kind of the logic behind L.A.'s... Um, surge or, mm-hmm. or what boom. have you boom and it it's was, the second gold rush we need yeah. a good we need a good name for it we need a good it's hashtag the rose for this. gold rush <laughs> rose gold rush I, mean, it was, I looked at it from there have been so many trend stories and i looked at it from kind of the financial perspective and looked at real estate and the number of brands that are opening up stores there and you know all the events and and looking at it kind of how suddenly there is a market for these stores and they're not used to not be and why why is that happening and looking at tourism and all that stuff but the thing that i learned that really the bottom line is a lot of the cool things that that are happening in la in terms of art and fashion and lifestyle they've always existed but instagram more than mm. anything else has made it easy for us to all appreciate those things so i was talking to ron herman who owns um a bunch of he's a retailer he's owned stores since the 70s in la and he said you know this lifestyle has always existed but suddenly there are these bloggers who are taking photos of their avocado toast and showing in the dead of winter that it's really nice and warm and suddenly everybody realizes that the lifestyle there is great and so that has kind of encouraged people and also i think the price the cost of living in new york has gotten so crazy in san francisco too it's true i think san francisco cost of living is i never realized how high it was until i you know kept getting articles about it in my you know streams and reading about it and i couldn't believe it was even higher than new york because i felt like this is the the peak rent but I always say this to people. Yes, the cost of living in New York is very high in terms of rent. Uh, transportation publicly is not that high. Um, you know, you can still get a, an egg on a cheese, like yeah. cheese and a bagel for like a dollar. But, um, you know, you make more in New York. Yeah. People make more here to compensate for that. If you move to L.A., you're not going to make the same amount of money. So no. I, I always wonder how, how relative is it when they put out these studies because the amount of money they're going to make less. Well, I think if you're an artist... Yes. That's kind of the point is that you don't have to make as much yeah. if you're living out there. I think I think LA is still really expensive. And I I think more than anything it's about the lifestyle. It's about not having to, you know, run into a million people on the subway and and looking for some sort of different I think the mass of, exodus from New York to LA. <laughs> I always get so much black for saying this. <laughs> Uh, New York is like the Olympics. Yeah. This is the Olympics. This is the big game. Yeah. And like not everyone is going to be able to last to the point where they're going to they're gonna finish the race and like get the gold medal yeah. or place. 
Um, and I think a lot of people come here, what would happen before is they would come to New York and they'd be here a few years and they'd realize this just isn't the environment I want to be in. This is too intense. It's like you're basically paying to be inconvenienced. It, yeah. New York punches you in the face on a daily basis. Um, and they would like move home. Yeah. And now everyone is like, I'm going to move to L.A. Yeah. And I'm going to have this idea that, like, I'm still in a city and I'm doing things. But really, you are getting out of the race in a certain sense, totally. in my mind still. However, I think that the the lifestyle, particularly, like, in, in the winter is so wonderful. And the creative culture there that, that has long been underground, yeah. the best point, and I've never heard this made, is that Instagram has really brought that out. And I think it's really true because there is a real creative class in L.A. that is different than the one in New York that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is interesting. And that's a great point. We've all... You've lived here for how long? 12 years. And Dan and I have both lived here for 10 years, and now everyone's leaving. It's like, it oh, happens you, you at get five, it. it happens at one, five, and like eight years, yeah. people start going. And you get to that point, and people are like, okay, I, I did it. Yeah. I can leave now. And it's interesting because we both still really like it here. I can't function outside the city. Yeah. I, like, it's, you yeah. can't take me out. I mean, if I was in, like, a really small, like, ranch town, maybe. <laughs> but L.A. would be difficult for me. I would, I would like to be in L.A. from the months of January to April. I, I like L.A. in the summer also. I just like going to L.A. I wish that we were from there. So, like, we're going there over the holidays. I wish that we could just do that every vacation. We could go there for a month in the summer. Right. Which we basically did this summer, which was great. Um, and I love the desert. Which yeah. is why we haven't done a show in a month and a half. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is interesting that I keep thinking, am I going to get sick of New York? Am I going to start hating New York? And that hasn't happened. And that is... Yeah, no, it hasn't happened. I wonder if it's ever going to happen. Yeah. I, I, I wake up every day and I'm still like, oh my God, I live in New York. I mean, like, really? Yeah. It's just one of those things. And But it's understandable because this just is... There's a reason why... Uh, the you know the vacancy rate is so low. I mean, people people stay or they go, yeah. and there's not a lot of space. There's not a lot of room. So if you don't love it, you're not going to fight for your place in that less than one percent vacancy rate because it's really really hard. Yeah. Um, and I think that New York is is extremely special and wonderful and all those things. Um, but it's just not. It doesn't ultimately end up being the place that everyone's going to want to spend the rest of their life. And I think that that's understandable, even yeah. though it is the best. It's number one. It is the best. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, it, there is no city that compares. No. There just isn't. Especially, I mean, we have an apartment with central air conditioning, which is very rare for New York. And it's really, it's real nice. I can ever give it up. That's, yeah. That's what I think. What do you think, Dan? I think Lindsay told us she had to go. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. we'll take a pause. We'll take a pause. We'll pause 10 seconds for station ID. <laughs> and then we'll... What are we going to talk about next? Yeezy? No. I'm sad to miss that conversation if you do. Let's not say we did. Have we ever talked about him? I don't know. Maybe. All right. This is really fun. I'm really excited for the the hate mail I'm going to get for calling LA the second best city. Um, We can put the music on. So we'll say thank you to Lindsey Green. Thanks, Thanks, guys. It's really fun. so much fun. And we'll be back in a second. Hi everyone, Dan here, joining you later through the magic of nonlinear audio editing software. There was a problem with my mic during this next segment, not really sure why, after Lindsay left. But we're going to play it anyway, because it's pretty good, and Lauren's doing most of the talking anyway. So you won't hear me very well, but 
That's probably better anyway. Really? No. Do you just mean Yeezy Season 3 or whatever? I think that's the name. I don't still don't really know. Okay. So Kanye West has this line for Adidas. But they're not even producing this second collection, apparently. This is the second one. So he showed his first... He designed... He used to be do stuff with Nike. Yeah, and APC, right? Yeah, he did a couple collections with APC. But then Adidas probably gave him way more money. And so he's... I don't, I don't know the details. We need to have one of those sneaker people here to really go deep. But anyway, they released... Well, they released the shoes. Yeah, we should really have one of those sneaker people on here one day to talk about this stuff. Um, But then he did this collection. He showed it last season at New York Fashion Week. It was a shit show, obviously. But I don't. It didn't get that bad of reviews. I mean, the clothes themselves. He's very inspired by Rick Owens and Margella and all these designers who he really admires and he was open about that and they just look like body stockings but they're really expensive it's not like this is affordable stuff it's like sweatshirts and body stockings or whatever i don't i don't know if they're that expensive well the first collection they made and i think it's maybe available at barney's right now um but he had this woman so, and it, I don't mean in the disruption sense. So he also like he works with this artist Vanessa Beercroft, Beecroft, I think that's how you pronounce it, Vanessa Beecroft. But so she did the first show with him, and then also helped with this one. And from what I saw, it looked exactly the same. I did not go to it. I did walk by because I was going to a presentation near it. It didn't seem that crazy. I mean, they. I think they started 40 minutes late, which is most fashion shows start 20 to 30 minutes late. A really bad, annoying is an hour. An hour is annoying, but. But didn't he just like. There was no reason. Yeah. So they, he wasn't going there. He was not on the schedule. I think during fashion week, they decided to do something. I, it was. It looked exactly the same. I don't understand why they did it. It was just annoying. And this is something that... This happens in fashion all the time. That either a celebrity or a designer... Basically, if you're a fashion editor or, or a buyer, you spend most of your life waiting around. <laughs> yeah. And I am a really impatient person. I do not like waiting around for people. I don't care if it's a celebrity. I went to Givenchy. So Givenchy had their show in New York on 9-11 last Friday. And we had to wait an hour for Kim and Kanye, which was fine. I thought if it would have been any longer, I would have left. Why do they wait for them? Does it have to? Well, because it's really good publicity for them to be at the show. So the celebrities are going to come in late because they don't want to be in the middle of the crowd. So most people got there. I think the doors opened at 6 and everybody got there at 6.30. So then slowly, I mean, there were tons of celebrities there. Julia Roberts hasn't been to a fashion show in like 20 years or something. And she came because she's um, she's been 
you know, a part of Givenchy's campaign. And so they kind of strolled in one at a time. But Kim and Kanye were the latest because they just, that's how is they are. Is she, like, cool now or is this just... Yeah, no, it's cool. Because the guy who designs it, he's been there for about a decade. He's friends with all these people. His name's Ricardo Tishi. Um, but I find it extremely ag- aggravating. I just, I, the, Mark Jacobs used to be really, really late every season. It would be at least 40 minutes late. And then one season, every single fashion editor freaked out, fashion critic freaked out about it. And he was never late again. This year he started 10 minutes late and that was a big deal. You rush there. You can't be, can't be late. you can't be late. They will close the door on you. And, that's the extreme. Like, I think it's totally fine if you're running a little bit behind. It's just there's really a lack of respect for people's time, that this is actually a job that people do and that they have other places to go to. There's just no – because it's weird because fashion's a business and it's a commercial business, yet a lot of the people involved – kind of have the mindset of an artist. So it's just not, it's very hard for things to run smoothly. And what I will say about the Kanye thing, and again, I wasn't there this time, but it didn't seem, it wasn't the the worst, the worst um, kind of example of people being disrespectful of other people's time. (laughs) There's been way, way worse. I've witnessed way, way worse. Um, and the same thing with Givenchy. It, I was actually kind of like, oh, well, it's only starting an hour late. That's not too bad. I thought that uh, I, we had dinner plans for 8.30, and it started at 6.30, and I did not think I was going to make it, and I was the first person at dinner. I was out of there, I want to say, by like 8 on the dot. I, I also ran out as soon as the, the models were done. But I didn't see Anna. I think she might have gone back back a different way. No, I did not run faster than her. She really books it. But I just, I snuck out. Cool. Yeah. Um, All right, well, the Apple event also happened last week. Yeah, I can't believe that was only a week ago. They were like, I was like, someone was like, oh, the hashtag is Apple event. I was like, no, it's not. And then I looked and sure. Was it really? Why? Why don't they call it like Apple 34 or something? That'd be more interesting. Like how we name our episodes. Yeah. Uh, well, they did, they do give it a name, but no one uses that. As like what kind of names do they give them? I think their name was, this time it was like, Hey Siri, tell me something new or something like that. Oh, that wouldn't work for a hashtag. So, so what happened? Uh, Were any of the apps exciting? No. Well, I think they were, I mean, they were just like baby apps because no one's actually had a developer kit for very long. There oh, okay. Was, there was like a flash of like a, a guilt app, which looked, I actually think that shopping on the TV could be kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't think any shopping company besides maybe Amazon is going to make an app that's good enough that it's actually worth using. Yeah. Sounds like someone's peeing on our There's definitely water dripping. Oh, cool. Um, but there was also an Airbnb app that they showed for a second, which seemed like it could be interesting. Oh, yeah. Imagine sitting on the couch, like, 
scanning through Airbnb. Yeah, that sounds fun. You know, like Como or something. Yeah, should we download that? Well, we don't have the new Airbnb. Oh, TV how much is it? It's like 150 I think. Are we going to get it? Yeah, we'll get it. We have to. Cool. Um, so we'll tell you all about that when it's out. Um, and it, there's games, too. We'll be able to play Crossy Road, your favorite game. Do I like that game? No, I don't care about that game. What about the incident? I'll have to ask uh, the developer, Nevin Vernon. Thank you. Um, well, then there were also rose gold Apple Watches and iPhones. So the rose gold Apple Watch that came out is not actual pure gold. It's aluminum. No, this was the sport edition, like the one we had. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that one in person. Yeah. I'm not in love with it. I think it's too pink. Yeah, a lot of people are saying that the phones are super pink. Yeah, I mean, rose gold is pink. Like, you can also call it pink gold, but it should be a little more yellow. It looked a little too pink to me. I didn't love it. TBD. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's funny, I didn't real. that's, yeah, I saw, because they gave a bunch of editors, they loaned a bunch of editors the the new rose gold ones, so they were wearing them at Fashion Week, and I wasn't sure if it was an aluminum or if it was actual gold. No, those are still like 10,000. Those I think are really pretty. Um, I would, here are the two things I was excited about. One, the fact that there are now like 20 different band colors yeah. for sport. Really good colors, which I kind of was disappointed and didn't understand why they didn't launch with all those colors because they made such a big deal about how it was the most personal product that Apple has ever released. But then there were only five colors and they were pretty, I feel like, in the sport. But I feel like the colors that they initially released with, they weren't that great. No. So, and this time... Yeah, and I think this time there were tons. I wanted more than one. I just bought the navy, but I like that light gray. I think at first they were going for like kind of an electric neon look. Yeah, green, blue, pink, and then also black and white. And now they the new colors you can tell are a lot more muted. Yeah, I really like them. The one I think I might like is the light gray one. I I like it. I think there was like a navy one yesterday. You didn't love it? I have, Is to it not? I have to see it like on my arm. Well, I bought it. it looked, okay, yeah, I'll have to see it on your arm. I have it to say. Like I'm super picky about navy. I have to say, I bought the black just um, to wear during Fashion Week because I didn't want people bothering me about my Apple Watch all day, just occasionally. Mm-hmm. And because usually I wear the bright pink, and I love it. And I don't yeah, know if I'm going to change it back for at least a while. I really, I really like it. Um, I'm not worrying as much about whether or not my outfit goes with my Apple Watch. Totally. Um, yeah, and that's one of the reasons that I think I would get a more neutral one. Although, blue kind of fits into pretty much Your look, yeah. Um, but but the most important thing is the Hermes Apple Watch. Yeah. So Apple also announced a new collaboration with Hermes on a special line of watches and bands, including a, like, cuff. Band? Yeah. Double, what is it called? Double strap band. I don't know. I don't, don't remember. I'm sure there is. Um, I'll look it up while you're talking. But 
But what do you think about this? So this is I love it. first like luxury collaboration on this. Well, first of all, Mary Johnny Ivy. The f- first of all, the thing I love most is that it starts at $1100 and that includes the watch. So that is not that expensive. For I mean, an Hermès bracelet can be more than that. A, an Hermès leather bracelet with some metal decorations on it can be much more expensive than that. So in that way, I th- I was impressed by the price. Yeah, although you'll be able to do stuff with that bracelet after you stop using an. Apple well, bracelet. but yeah, uh, but double tour. Maybe it's double tour. Double t- no, the double. No tour. tour. That one's twelve fifty. I really like that one. I would buy that. <laughs> what? Bands in four colors: fauve, etienne, <laughs> capuchin, and blue jean. Nice. I would buy one. I really that like one it. On your wrist twice. Yeah, and that's kind of the kind classic. Of the a lot of people who have Hermes watches get that. Get the twice wrap. Also available with the capuchin leather band. I like the capuchin. And then they have the cuff, which is LVMH, which means they're not going up against all those watch groups. No, no, Hermes is independent. Oh my God, it's definitely nicer than Louis Vuitton. Hermes is Hermes. Do you remember I wrote a story in 2009 for my personal blog about how Hermes was the apple of its industry? Oh, we should link that up. That blog got got hacked. But I think there's some cached. It's cached somewhere. I have, I have a record of it on a computer. But I wrote that. Hermes is the ultimate. You can republish it on the Needle in the Mouse website. Thank you. I don't, let's make sure it does, It sounds okay. Yeah. <laughs> People liked it, though, when I wrote it. Really good. Um, yeah, it was, it's kind of a perfect partnership. And, and it's basically like going straight to the top. So yeah. Now they can fill it in however they want. And, and, and I... Because LVMH... Had, I, Hermes does have some watches, or at least. Oh yeah, they have a they have a decent sized watch business. Their entire business isn't based on watches, yeah. And I also think Hermes is a really has a very very unique company culture, and they're very collaborative. And so I could see it's a very friendly company culture, and I could see them wanting to do something like this instead of trying to figure it out on their own because they want to do the best. They want it to be creative and they want it to be the best. And to do that, why not work with the people that are already doing it the best instead of trying to reinvent it themselves? No. So um, I thought it was really smart and it felt like a very, very natural. And I was excited about it when I heard about it. I also saw that a lot of third party people are now doing watch bands. Um, well, I know um, Rebecca Minkoff, who is kind of a mid-price contemporary designer. She just released some, and she does a lot of wearable tech stuff. But they look nice. Um, I think that you, we're going to see a lot of third-party stuff for the holidays. I bet they won't release them until the holidays if they do them. It's getting close. I don't know if if uh, actually I guess you don't have I w- no. I wonder that doesn't happen until after Halloween usually, okay. but I wonder if companies have looked at done the market research and looked at how many people have actually bought them and thought, oh, it's not going to be worth the money. True. 
to produce them. Well, Hermes was really. I wonder if you can buy the band without the. No, No. you have to buy the watch. Um, Resell the watch. Resell. Buy the the whole thing and then sell the watch on eBay with no band. Uh, I don't know. No, yeah. If I'm gonna buy, I'm not gonna buy it. But if I was, I'm just gonna buy the whole thing. My dream collaboration would be um, Topo Designs. Mine would be. My, I think mine really would have been Hermes. I don't know. I. But I was expecting Madewell to do them and to be interested in what Madewell did. Oh, they might. We should ask them. We should. We'll get Mickey Drexler on the show. We should ask him to be on the show. We'd probably have to bring the microphones to his office. We could do that. Should Should I ask? No promises. Yeah. All right. <laughs> don't don't hold your breath, people. Yeah. Is there anything else? It feels like we haven't done a lot because. No, we're good. You know, I think we're good. Um, I think we're, we'll start doing shows more regularly again now that Fashion Week is over. Yeah, right. Um, I I would like to do them more frequently. Okay, great, that's um, I'm I'm wondering if any oh. You know, our friend in San Francisco had a question for us about sheets, bedding, and stuff. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Let me look it up. We'll pause. Pause and testing. Um, He says, David Klein, our friend David Klein. Yeah, love David Klein. Hey, shopping for a comforter and sheets. Oh, this was 7.30.15, so he already did this. Sorry, David. What do y'all use? Um, So I did this really interesting story. We got to test these sheets out when when I was working on this story. We've talked about them on here, haven't we? What are those sheets called? No idea. 37.5. They're really good. They, if you have any problems with being too hot or too cold, they're basically temperature regulating sheets. And you can actually, the technology in them has been licensed to other brands. So you, if you just look up, I mean, you can look up 37.5 and buy them through in their plain white sheets. I really like those. This other company just reached out to me. They're do, Flanor. Um, they, Flanor, I think it's called. Isn't that the magazine that I get? Yeah, but they, I mean, this is obviously not connected to the magazine, but someone just reached out to me about having nice new sheets. There are all these companies doing mattresses and stuff. There's Brook Linen, which is, I don't know if the sheets are actually good. We are not particularly obsessed with bedding. We've tried really hard. I used to have a really nice down blanket, but it was so hot. Now we just have like a really thin... We just buy really thin IKEA blankets, and we just throw them away after six months. Because how much do they cost? Five dollars or something? I guess Ralphie wants us to finish, but... We don't get the five dollar ones. Which ones do... How much are the... Twenty dollars, whatever. But my feeling on sheets and comforters and things... I think West Elm does a good job. There are some companies that do really nice stuff. 
it just depends on what your priorities are. I think for us, our priorities are that they're not ugly and having plain white ones are the best bet in that, in that fashion. And wash frequently. Yes. Maybe we'll do some more research and come back with, with yeah, we'll some more. Yes, that's a great idea. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for tuning in again. You can send us a question via email anytime at hello at theneedleandthemouse.com. You can go to our Tumblr at theneedleandthemouse.com and subscribe there or find our link to subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also... Send us a message on Twitter anytime if you have a question or something like that at Needle and Mouse. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you soon. Mm-hmm.